Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show. Connecting you to ideas, people, and tools to help you make an independent living doing something that you care about without burning out. Every Friday, we publish another conversation about entrepreneurship, building a thriving audience, and the battle of supporting yourself, doing something that you care about. Your hosts are, if we were, uh, if we were munchies, if we were munchie snacks, Chase, that's me, would be gluten-free crackers with spicy hummus, because there's never a full moment with this guy. Corbett would be prosciutto-wrapped pears, because he brings a sophisticated and tasty knowledge to the table. And Barrett would be sriracha sauce since you can put them on anything and make it taste just right. (laughs) More from Crowdfund Roadies iTunes review coming up later. First of all, in this episode, stand out, serve hard, sell soft, and get traffic. Questions from four listeners today take us into the realm of the USP, the unique selling proposition. We haven't seen one around here in decades. I'm kidding. We have. We're going to talk about those today, and we share some of our insights about getting to clarity in your offers to increase conversion and engagement with a couple of incredibly edutaining uh, questions. Follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 85. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps, so let's get into it. Corbett had like, Corbett had like a, a 13 calls uh, to his phone when we went to the, the coffee shop. I'm trying to introduce him to someone, and his phone keeps ringing because there's like Comcast being installed, and dishers and washers machines being uh, d- arriving, uh, you yeah. know, and all this other stuff. And Jesslyn's over there going like trying to orchestrate it all. Yep, like he's important or some. It's like you're in Portland or something. What's going on? I think he said important. Important. Did you say important? No. Yeah, I heard I like it's like better. you're in Portland. Basically the same. Yeah, thing. pretty much. So tell us, Corbett, what's going on? All the important people live in Portland. So uh, I arrived in Portland this week. Drove a moving truck from San Francisco. A big one, too. So proud. Not just a regular truck. This was a big one. A diesel. <laughs> a 22-footer. I've never driven a little pansy moving truck. <laughs> yeah, before. you had a big one, too. I've always, I've always driven a big one. It was the kind of truck, I mean, it. It at some point you're driving up the freeway, <laughs> up a hill, and it, the truck just goes, no, I, I'm going to go 40 miles an hour right now, because that's yeah. all I feel comfortable with. <laughs> There's a few of those hills on the way to <laughs> or, Portland from San Francisco. And it started snowing on the way up. Ooh. Actually, the forecast was for a lot of snow, so we left a day early, and uh-huh. it still started snowing, but it didn't stick. We yeah. were cool. Spent the night in Medford, Oregon. Like you do. Found Medford? a great Medford. We're the, the home of uh, one of the world's best Shakespeare festivals. No, that's Ashland. Exactly. Get it that's right. That's what I was saying. <sighs> Medford's actually where Andy's from, originally. Oh. Outside Medford. Andy. Grant, Shout out to Grant, our Fizzle Show listener, Andy. Grant, Grant's past and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So actually, uh, surprisingly, in Medford, Oregon, found a really cool cocktail bar called Jefferson Spirits. No, you didn't. I did. No. It was, they had one of the You're most- You're driving a big truck and drinking? <laughs> we stopped overnight. Sure. What, I can't have a cocktail You're just like, tonight? I'll just tie one on before we get on the road. Yeah. This is uh, a good cocktail bar. I'll have a, se- a seven and seven, please. That might explain why I damaged every single piece of furniture in the truck. <laughs> Did you really? Either that or it was because I didn't use furniture pads as li- liberally as I should have. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. You got to be liberal it. with the fur- furniture pads. Yeah. Barrett and I are sitting here having an intervention going. Like, I was being conservative with you them. You know what? Get that damn Papa Bear, Bill O'Reilly uh, mentality about your furniture <laughs> protection out of here. Yeah. All right? We're talking We're talking Ralph. Left wing. Ralph Nader. <laughs> yeah. We need some Ralph Nader Super furniture Super progressive on it. Exactly. Yeah. Libertarian So style. you moved up here. You moved up. We moved you in. Moved in. Had a great party. Though. Showed up. Chase had a full welcome wagon. There were like 27 <laughs> people at the new house. Yeah. Including some Fizzle members. Yep. Including some fellow bloggers from Kyle Portland. Wood. Jonathan Mead. Yep. Good time. Uh, some good friends. Some uh, some Campari and soda for Got an moved afternoon. In. It took us three hours to pack the truck and 50 minutes to unload it. Yeah. That I was, was thinking impressive. about it, you know... Chase is like either the best welcoming present or the worst. And you really have to like him for this to be a good thing for him to be waiting there with Campari and 27 people. He, he had cocktail. He actually handed us a cocktail as soon as we got out of the truck. And then 10 it's people true. showed up. It's true. <laughs> it's it was true. awesome. I liked it. I liked it. And then, and then we partied for like two hours and then everybody was like, all right, we're going to leave you alone now. Yeah. And he then, was so f- excited. 
<laughs> he could not even contain himself. It was pretty I awesome. was. I was really excited. So we the party appreciate could that. Not Thank hold you. Him. Good. Thank you. Good. It makes you feel welcome when you show up. It's a bummer when you show up somewhere and nobody's waiting yeah. and you're like, no, I guess this is where we live now. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> sort of my, my, uh, it was my, my thing to do. My, 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 my thing to do was to sort of invite you into my city. Well, I appreciate that. Again, to invite you home again, mm. really into my bosom. I feel like I'm just nestled right in there. Yeah. Especially as my voice pipes in through your headphones. <laughs> yeah. In the same room. That's true. That's true. Feels that's, good. And that's how it would sound if I was in your bosom. <laughs> <laughs> it would sound like... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. On the show today, I want to la- answer a few more listener questions. We've still got a few to get through. I, wanna, I think a little goal for me is by the end of the year to finish through all these listener questions. Because think about it. We, we, they're always going to be accessible at least to one person who's asking the question. But mm-hmm. typically, these things, a lot of people have these same kinds of questions. Totally. How much time should I spend promoting my content versus, versus making it? All the, these kinds of questions are sort of perennial in some ways. And, oh my God. I perennial. Perennial. Good word. Yeah. Is that the right word, though? Yeah, $5 word. $5. I thought that was only used for flowers. FDW, five, nope. $5 word. Um, speaking of which, I saw the movie Birdman, uh, and I'm not going to talk about it right now, but I, I want to do an episode of the show. Just about it? Where we, Just all, we all watch Birdman. Okay. And we try to get listeners uh, to watch it as well, and then we talk about Birdman, because I think it's so... Uh, uh, it's, it gets at so much that's at the heart of the kinds of businesses that people who listen to this show make and the kinds of business, the kind of business that we're trying to make. So we tried a full episode of, uh, current topics a while back. Why don't we just do a, a full episode of, uh, movie yeah. discussion critique? Yeah. I think, well, I just think there's a lot of, there's a lot, uh, like I want to study for it. I want to, I'm going to read the screenplay. I'm going to watch it a couple of times and you guys definitely have to watch it and I'll, I'll have some sort of formula or like outline for us to go through. You're going to have to give us the go-ahead though and you know actually tell everybody to do that i know i kind of want to wait till it's more accessible right now it's in just like sort of art house theaters here oh so wait you mean until yeah it's everywhere or wait till it's on blu-ray i don't know because blu-ray is just what about if it's on laserdisc yeah ld is fine uh because there's a great ld market uh there in the philippines probably Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) i don't know where you're gonna find a laserdisc but but i have about 50 of them up in tahoe you do man from snow and river stephen king's it Vanilla Ice is cool as ice. People, if you haven't watched a Laserdisc recently, just just try it again so you remember that, oh yeah, I have to flip it at 55 minutes. My dad spared no expense. He got the Laserdisc that that will just pauses for about six minutes while it goes. You can hear the motor inside, like the the eye like transfers over. Oh, and then it switches around to the other side? It moves around. Whoa. Who knows? Maybe they could have uh, even put a second eye in there, and it yeah. just transfers automatically. Yeah. But anyways, we maybe have it a... flips the disc over inside. It like squishes it down. It's and... perfect time for going pee and uh, and making popcorn. Yeah, yeah. Get enough time. Good so uh, we're we're gonna get into some questions here. Okay, so we got a question here from Talia. Of you, I absolutely love this URL. Partyinmyplants.com. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear from Talia. Hey, Fizzle guys, thank you so much for what you do. You rock at the whole edutainment thing. You know, education plus entertainment. Anyway, I have a question for you that's been holding me up big time. I run partyinmyplants.com where I blog, make videos, and individually coach people on how to eat healthier without basically hating their lives. My struggle is with engagement, sort of. You see, my audience loves to read and watch my content and make the recipes I post, but they aren't the type, really as a whole, to post, comment, tweet, or share any of it on social media. They don't shy away from writing me personally about how much they love what I put out there, but they're not big online people in the sense that they don't get the whole ebook, digital program, online contest kind of stuff. You know, I mean, I've asked around and they've like never heard of a newsletter. They follow no blogs and they've never bought an ebook. However, they're huge consumers of information online, like BuzzFeed-esque, Mashable type of information. So my question is, how the heck do I have an online business when all my audience wants to do is secretly consume and implement my useful information? Which is actually quite edutaining, if I do say so myself. Am I totally screwed? Thank you guys so much. I'm on the edge of my seat for your answer. Okay, perfect. I, I, I mean, party in my plants. Am I right? That's incredible. It's so wonderful. It's really, really good. In fact, um, it reminds me of another blog that my wife pays attention to. 
It's a um, natural cosmetics blog called No More Dirty Looks. Ooh. Isn't that great? Yeah. I love those little punny punny, punny things. That's great. Party in my plants. Uh, One thing, you know, and it doesn't sound like it's a problem because she has an audience already, but when she said party in my plants, I thought it might have been a gardening website Mm -hmm. just right off the bat. So something to think about. Um, But it it sounds like it's more like a vegetarian um, lifestyle sort of blog, which is cool. And and that that totally works for that as well. Um, Great name. It sounds to me like she doesn't have any trouble getting people um, to check out her stuff and even maybe buy things from her, but she's concerned that they're not sharing her stuff. She wants more of a presence on social media, it sounds like. Yeah, also, I mean, oh, okay, so I'm pulling up the, the site, which is super fun and uh, and just looks like a lot of energy and excitement. Party in my plants, I would say, Talia, doesn't actually explain, just like Corbett's question, that what you're talking about so i mean it sounds like you have an audience that already understands and probably a lot of people are landing on a blog post about a particular kind of thing but for example your call to action in your sidebar is are you ready to get your party started immediately and subscribe for a free copy of my ebook so there's no there's nothing in there that i want i don't want an ebook Right. And I don't want, I don't want uh, to get the party started because I don't know what kind of party what I we're want about. is I want to know how to make the five most delicious veggie smoothies that I could possibly make and feel the best that I could ever feel. I want to know uh, so and then I can see on the on the picture that you have seven super things you can do right now seriously to get your party started. Again, not enough. You're not you're not giving me a real specific thing like uh, where where so in. And one of the things that we've learned about, like, you know, you've mentioned before on the show, Corbett, like getting concrete in your headlines or in something like yeah. that. Really concrete. When Corbett was making, when you, when you were doing what? I think it was Startup Blog That Matters, which came after traffic school, which was more of like a, a traffic school was expensive. A lot of people and you're in a cohort and then Corbett kind of like worked with you on stuff. Then, then Startup Blog That Matter had this extremely specific thing that it offered you in 13 weeks in 13 weeks you're going to have this right as an outcome those kinds of concrete specific kinds of things where you can use the words that they've you know typed into google they're asking like how do i get healthy how do i eat more veggies how do i whatever they're asking right you're taking their words and being able to put something together that sounds really compelling to them or to giving them something that they don't even know that they that they want but they feel like they're going to get some concrete value out of it right and so i would almost think about this in terms of two audiences right now. So Talia has people that she's able to talk to, customers, it sounds like, or readers yeah. that she's able to talk to, but she feels like they're a little bit quiet um, on the engagement front. They don't leave comments. They don't post things on social media. At the same time, you know that this space, um, you know, healthy vegetarian lifestyle sort of stuff, um, you know that there are people sharing all kinds of content related to that right now. Yeah. Um, in fact, we have friends uh, at Minimalist Baker, for example, they post content about vegetarian and vegan options all the time. Yeah. And a lot of times they get hundreds or thousands of shares on each post. And these are recipes and things like that. Um, Chelsea Dinsmore, a uh, fizzler, mm-hmm. she has a new site called The Simple Kitchen. Mm-hmm. She writes mostly about vegan and vegetarian options, and people are sharing that like crazy as well. Mm-hmm. We also know a lot of just lifestyle health blogs, and and that gets a lot of shares generally as well. So I would think of it as two audiences. She has an audience right now, which eventually will be the silent majority. And that's what most people have. There's a lot yeah. of people that sort of lurk in the background that you never hear from. And they're a great base of people who will buy your stuff and they'll write you and and they will be loyal customers and readers, but they're not necessarily the loud ones who are out there sharing stuff and mm-hmm. tweeting you and stuff like that. I think there's a second audience that Talia hasn't tapped into yet that she'll be able to find that will be more likely to share everything. And she's going to find those people when she starts writing more concrete, more shareable headlines, I think. And it sounds like she's close because you that headline you said seven things. Yeah, seven super things you can do right now. And I want you to say I want you to give me more than just to start the party because I'm not here. To, I don't want to start a party. I want to eat healthy or what? I don't know. Right. Whatever. I don't know what they want. to Right. Do. So that was the beginning of a fantastic headline. And if it was like um, to change the trajectory of your personal health forever or something like that at the end mm-hmm. that told me what I was going to get, then that would have been a knockout headline. And that's the kind of thing that will get shared. Barrett, what do you, what do you hear over there? Yeah, I think the headline tip is good. So like meet and greet maple syrup. Uh, I think you make uh, white sugar, the bad guy somewhere in the post here. And 
better headline maybe could have been why you should use maple maple syrup instead of white sugar in all of your recipes or something like that. Um, and then at the bottom of your post, you've got about 18 things you're asking people to do. Uh, you've got for on this post in specific, you've got four links to other articles or recipes that use uh, maple syrup. Then you have your share buttons. Then you have six pictures of posts they might check out if they like this one. Then you have an email opt-in form. Then you have your author box. And then you have the comment thing. And so what that tells me is you would love people to do all of those things, but for the reader, they're not going to sit there and go one after the other and do all of those things. And so I think you have to decide what's most important to you when somebody gets done reading one of your posts. Do you want them to share it on Twitter? Do you want them to comment? Do you want them to email you about it? Or do you want them to keep reading your site? And choosing one of those, I think, and specifically calling that out as the action you want them to take next might be a way to test whether your audience really isn't responding or if they just don't know which one of these things they should do and so they don't do any of it. Okay, so we've told Talia that that may, that there's definitely an audience out there that is sharing this kind of stuff, right? Right. And we've told her, okay, let's get a little bit more. And I, my, my, that was just my gut reaction. It's like, okay, there's a little bit of of not not clearness in uh, in you the know, call to action. And, and I didn't get exactly um, what she was after. It sounded like she just wants engagement, meaning she wants shares and comments. And so... Um, one strategy, you know, just like you have to get clear with your headline, if you want people to leave comments, you have to get clear with them about that as well and tell them how important it is to you and, and tell them why they should leave a comment or ask something that is comment worthy, you know, ask some sort of question, try a, um, an ask the reader style post instead of, you know, just sharing some information, be like, Hey, I'm curious. What do you guys think about this? Or what habits do you have around, you know, accomplishing yeah, I mean, this? I, I think that, that, because when I look through, uh, Talia, I look through your headlines and I see, okay, let me just read off some of them. Meet and greet maple syrup. Another vegan sweet uh, potato pancakes for a happy Hanukkah video. Party in your presence. Healthy gift guide 2014. Healthy oatmeal raisin cookies for National Cookie Day. Thanksgiving tips you'll be thankful so, for. So let's just, let's just think as the commenter. Let's say I, I read the maple syrup post. What would I leave a comment about? Did she ask me anything? You know, what's your favorite recipe for substituting maple syrup for sugar? And I think partly, uh, I I mean, I'm just trying to see how I would feel if I was in Tali's plants or if I was in her her situation, I guess, right? I would be, um, I think where I've been before is I have a lot of ideas on things I want to write. And then they don't necessarily line up with what people want to hear. And there's two things that I think are critical for a, an entrepreneur like us, especially us solo entrepreneurs. Okay. Two things that are critical. One of them is we have to do the work. So we can't, whatever we think can't keep us from just publishing crap because we do not, we're never going to know with a hundred percent, you know, sureness what's going to be big and what isn't. Right. So what's most important is that, you know, law of equal ro- odds rule. You just, you just publish, 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 and, and some, something will start to click and you will learn over time. Um, there's that. But then there's this other thing, which is like, we can know more about our audience. We can know and specify more directly because you might be saying, Talia, uh, I want to make a site for people who want to eat healthy. Okay. That's really broad. You're, if you set up a Google, I heard this great, great tip from um, Sam at useronboard.com. Uh, he, uh, he said, here's a good test of a niche for me. If I set up a Google alerts for this, this kind of keyword or this topic or this thing, I should be getting at least, you know, probably around one to five articles or hits a day yep. from that in an email. Yep. Uh, if there's a lot, that's it's too broad of a thing. If there's none, it might not be that active of a of an idea yet. Got right? It. Not that it's like that, that that every successful thing fits in that thing. But that's just, just what he looks for. His so guy. people, if you cert, if you put in Google alerts, eating healthy, you're going to be incredibly overwhelmed with the number of results that you're going to get. Right. right. But if you put in there, uh, you know, I, I don't know something much more specific. Maybe it's a specific kind of. Uh, fruits and vegetables maybe it's a specific kind of season to make stuff or specific kinds of holidays or food traditions to focus on or something like that you're gonna get a much less uh, results in that in that regard so meaning uh, i'm your i think i feel like and this is totally take this with a grain of salt because i've just now seen your site and 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 i, and I don't I, and we haven't talked so uh, but if i was in your position i would know i know exactly how i, I think i would be feeling it would be like I'm just trying my best to get this stuff out there. 
and and hope that some of it sticks. And why is nobody commenting? And 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 why like and not it's not sticking. I'm not yeah. getting the traction. This yep. is good stuff. Yep. I can put this up right next to anything else that's got millions of views, and this is just as good. Yep. But for some reason, it's not. And it's, and it's like, yeah, no, welcome to the welcome to the human race online. Like, this is really a hard a hard thing yep. for all of us. Um, and and I so I guess the question really isn't about um, it's it, it's. It's about that age-old question of, like, how do I get people to actually pay attention to my thing? Whether that means comments and engagements and social shares and all that other stuff. And that, I think, the biggest, the the best way we have to that is to create things that they're already really, really actively interested in, and there isn't a lot of information out there about it. This is a challenge, because you have a lot in you that you can share, and then, and not very much of it might fit into that that sort of category right now, and you also might not know what those categories are. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what is it just focusing on the sweet potato? Is it just focusing on the kale or the things, right? What if yeah. instead of it, it was partyinmyplants.com, it was, it was kalepatrol.biz and it was just about kale, right? That's a different thing. And yeah. it's a, and, it, and it's a, um, a potential hypothesis worth testing. Yeah. I guess. And I, I wouldn't suggest that she needs to change the, no. the overall direction or the, the title. I think she just needs to get more specific with each piece of content and then, um, Think of comments as an empty restaurant. You know, it's really hard to get people into a restaurant when there's nobody in there, right? Mm -hmm. You look at the place and you're like, oh, why is nobody in there? I'm not going to go in there. And comments are kind of the same thing. So what I would do is run and ask the reader's post, run something that's very much an open-ended question where you're saying, hey, I, I want your feedback on this. And then the people who write her in, you know, she gets email from her, from her, uh, readers. I would write them and say, hey, I'm publishing a post on Tuesday. It would mean a lot to me if you would leave a comment on it and just be that direct with people and kind of break the seal on getting some comments. Mm-hmm. And that'll get those people into the mood of, oh, I should leave some comments on these things. Yeah. And then just get in the habit of, at the end of every post, ask a question that you want an answer to in the comments. And you can prime yeah. that pump and you'll get more and more comments. And other ways around this are like, what, what, what are the, what kinds of food would you like to cook most? I mean, imagine setting up like some sort of a Reddit thread or, or something like that where you can, where people can sort of, uh, say exactly the kinds of foods that they'd like to cook next, and and if you get a lot of people talking about one kind or another kind, um, that might be a way in. But then at the same time, the audience you have right now might not be the right audience yet. The people who are on your site aren't representative of the kind of people maybe that you that actually you want. want to talk to. So that that it's just it takes a lot of time to to develop that. Uh, and She's over- doing great though. the The attitude is awesome. The photos, the yeah. the name, everything is headed right in the right direction. I would say you look like a party, Talia, and a very edutainment uh, rich environment. So uh, if you got more follow up questions, let us know. Fizzleshow.co slash ask. Hope that's helpful, Talia, and anybody else who's uh, who's partying with plants. All right, let's get to another question here. This one is from Paul, and he's from the Netherlands. This one's pretty funny. Yes, uh, you fizzlers out there. This is Paul Riggan from the Netherlands. I made a request by email if you would be able to answer a question I have. I am a treasure hunter, awesomeizer, inspirator, trainer, coach. I like to train and coach people and get them into awesomeness, leading a fulfilling life, sharing their knowledge, ideas, thoughts, and uh, produce projects, ventures, and businesses out of it that change the lives of many. And I write a blog each day and a podcast included for the past 231 days. And I have a conversion problem uh, because I only have 12 subscribers to my blog. I've got some online programs on my website, but probably they are too, um, not, well, not simple enough for people to understand. So I, I got a picture of what's wrong, but the main question still remains, how can I raise my conversion? I'm trying to build an intimate relationships with my subscribers. I hope this works. I will uh, redesign my website to make it more attractive and more simple. And the main thing I want to do is revolutionize the world and awesomeize it. Please advise. Paul, that is incredible. That's good radio right there. <laughs> that is such good radio. So he just thought he would have the radio 
playing in the background. Oh, I loved it. I, I just, I loved everything so about he's it. Just, he, I just picture him with like a cocktail in his hand. Talk about a party in my plants. Yeah. You know what I mean? For real. This is an edutainment, uh, this is an edutaining uh, thing. I blame everything about that on Chase. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. And you should, you I feel like should. you really invited that. I get, that well, environment. you guys, you want to you wanna play with the monkey, you got to handle the uh, bananas falling from the tree. <laughs> I don't know what that means. You mess with the ball, you get the horn, and that's where I yeah, end it up. I like it. <laughs> Man, Paul, great. Paul, uh, thank you. First of all, great energy. I'm sure there was a question in there. He wants to awesomeize the world. I, I like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, lo- I love that beginning bit where he was like, trying to call it, like all these, all these words he strung together. And, and then it's perfect. It's yeah. perfect. I love it. Um, so uh, what I'm what I'm lacking is any idea of what specifically you do. I, I understand training and coaching. Uh, I understand the emphasis. Yeah, seems I couldn't to be get, on was awesome. it fitness or was it? Uh, sounds like awesomizing, awesomizing lives, yeah. which is cool. But uh, at the same time, I, I mean, if I could get a, if I could earn a living awesomizing lives, I think I'd be I'd be fired up about that. Yeah, I think it's really uh, it's really hard to get that. Like you said, you've got twelve subscribers. When you do talk to people personally, he says they normally subscribe. Um, but, uh, but that can be like, then, then, then you're limiting yourself to be able to talk about personally your question. The main question that I think I heard guys and correct me if I'm wrong is, is really about how do I, how do I get more subscribers? How do I in- increase that conversion? Right. right. And just like, just like we had with, with Talia, it's like offer something really, really, really valuable. And it's not just like, do you want to have an awesome life? Get this. It has to be more, you know, uh, it, like awesome is this massive pizza pie and you got to focus on like one slice of this thing, yep. right? And, maybe, and I, I don't know exactly how, how I want to take that metaphor. Because I'm like, I was almost like, and you got to be just the just this one pe- pepperoni or something on right. there, and just or so I don't know if it's your topping or a slice, but I think you're something there. Well, and when you're able to convince people in person of something that you can't do online, it's usually for a couple of reasons, for, or for one of two reasons. One is when you talk to someone, you're more clear about it than you can write on your own for mm-hmm. some reason, just because yeah. you're judging their body language, you're able to answer questions, mm-hmm. you can get a lot further in the conversation than you can when you write. So part of that is just becoming a better writer, finding your voice, learning to refine what you're saying to people in a short mm-hmm. amount of time. Yeah. The other reason you can convince people in person but not online is that you have more time because yeah. it's it's rude of someone to walk away or maybe because you have coffee scheduled and there's a whole half hour of it. Yeah. Um, whereas when someone comes to your site, you know, it's like there are a hundred different uh, tabs open on their browser of articles that they want to go read. They open yours, they look at it, nope, I'm headed for the back button if they don't get it yeah. within a few seconds. So you have these like precious few seconds that you have to wrap somebody up with. And if you're just saying, I'm here to awesomeize your life, they either don't believe it's possible, don't know what it means, or they don't want awesome in their life. They want to lose weight, or they want to yeah. be happier. Again, or, you gotta wonder how you how these people are gonna find it. Who's searching for like my life isn't awesome? How do I make it awesome? Probably a lot less than people who are say who are searching for like I uh, how to how to deal with depression, or I hate my job, or motivate me. What's so great about the world today, what's so phenomenal is you can make a li- you can really make a, a couple bucks doing just about anything you want, man. It's real the potentials why your your opportunities are wide open and it's awesome. But we still have this age-old problem of how are people going to find you? In the back in the day we had a village and there was, you know, 150 people and you could go door to door and tell everybody about them, right? About what you do. Now, we're thinking on the scale of the internet and and not, we're not satisfied to to tell 150 people when we're maybe three or four of them are going to be interested, and and that that can't create an actual you know long term viable income for you probably right. So you have all this opportunity, but you still have all of these problems in uh, that with like actually getting into the hearts and the minds and the ear holes of the people that we need to get to. So uh, it's an age old problem. To that's why we've all resonated so hard with words from gurus like Paul Graham about make something really, really valuable to mm-hmm. someone. Make solve, something people want. Solve someone's problem. Make something people want. We used to always say, make something for someone's and, beehole. And it's not just make something people want, but you have to you have to exp- you have to be able to articulate it in a way that catches their eye quickly. You know, you can make something yeah. people want, but if it takes you an hour to explain it. Then uh, you're going to have a hard time getting enough. And I customers. think even before that is just getting them to the site. Like they've got to be looking for that thing. Yeah. When you say like I help you uh, with your hemorrhoids itch problem, then they they are on Google. Like it's a great example because if you have 
a medical problem, you're like, I have a growth. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to go to WebMD or Google and you start typing stuff. You're going to diagnose yourself with like stage five em- emphysema or something like that. It's yeah. Like, yeah, I definitely have that rattle. It sounds, oh my God, you know, because it's a problem that you have and yep. you're scared about and you, and you care very deeply about it. It's very important to you. And you want to solve it. Yep. So you search for it, right? I, that's where I think there's a disconnect between that and just the word awesome or, or even like, like I think more and more people are probably searching for life coach and all this other stuff. Then it's like, how do you get found? That's why I always love th- thinking about, uh, like if you were doing this business on just a local scale, where would you find the people that you wanted to talk to, Paul? Would they be at the coffee shop or the bar? Or would they be at this kind of bar or that kind of bar? Cinnabon. Or, or would they be at, Cin- they would definitely be at Cinnabon. It's like, what time would they be at Cinnabon? It's mm-hmm. a real question. Um, but that kind of stuff, because it helps you think about, like, I mean, when you're thinking about running things on a local level, you're, you stop thinking at the scale of the internet and you start thinking at the scale of humans, of actual people with real problems. And I love to hear of, of you, like, actually talking to people. And, uh, because then you get to hear what their problem actually yeah, is. Yeah, I would, um, record the conversations he has where he's able to convince people and then play them back so he gets to hear the language that he uses and the questions that people are asking and more important than the language he uses are what questions are people asking and what are the words they're using and Mm. that's probably what his copy should be comprised of barrett what do you uh what do you hear over there yeah you know i'm looking at paul's site um oh you found it what is it yeah it's paulrickin.nl Mm-hmm. And I was just trying to picture, you know, who's the person who comes here and who's the person who trusts Paul to, in Paul's words, make them awesome or make them a creative supernova, as he says. And I think the challenge is a lot of what you guys have said already in that people don't believe that you can sell them something that's going to make them awesome in one or two days, which is uh, kind of how you're packaging your programs here, Paul. And then on your blog, I noticed that... Um, You've got posts that are kind of numbered by day, which to me indicates the journey that you've been on that you mentioned when you uh, recorded this question to us. And so you've got more than 250 days, I assume straight, of uh, blog and podcast content here. But like Chase mentioned, no one is going to search Google for day 259 tough nuts. And that's not to say this post is not valuable, but it is to say if you only have 12 subscribers right now, you've got to get really smart about how you're going to get more people to find you. And then once they find you, you've got to get really focused on helping them understand why, number one, they should subscribe to your blog to get it in their inbox. And number two, how to do that. Right now, the only place that you're giving people an option to subscribe is in the right-hand sidebar. And it's not... um, a a typical subscribe box or or it's not what people typically see these days for subscribe boxes. So people might be missing it amongst many other things in your sidebar there. And so they simply don't know that they can subscribe. And then finally for your products, if somebody's coming to your site for the first time, they're most likely not going to buy a product from you. And I don't care whether you're Paul Ricken or your Corbett bar or your Nathan Berry or whoever, Many people don't buy products from people that they don't already trust and have a longstanding relationship with. Um, and we see that with Fizzle all the time. You know, people will read for 18 months before they become a member of Fizzle. So think about how you can use your content to get people to become email subscribers, first of all. And then think about how you can use your email strategy to drive people towards those products in a way that they already trust and respect you. And it makes a ton of sense for you to be the teacher that they're going to follow for these things that you're teaching. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, Paul, what you're doing is awesome. I actually really like the, 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 the daily blog thing. I, uh, you know, Jonathan Mann was, is a big YouTube sensation only because he started making a song every single day and he's done it for 2000 something days. Right. And, and, and he point, he, he, at XOXO, he pulled out his, his stats and he showed like, listen, there's 2000 songs that I've done. And those 10 of them are responsible for most of the traffic. Yeah. Right. You, you see these, it's the equal odds rule again at work. You just go, 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 make, 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 make. And you're learning, you're learning and your audience is learning and, and, and slowly growing. But really, the, it's also, it, it's just, what I like about it is you're actually doing it, Paul. And that, and yep. that's, that's great. You're putting stuff out there. A daily thing, a daily practice like that is sensational. It's a, it's a, it's a victory in and of itself. And stuff's going to tumble down from that. Like I see that you have a master of the secrets, uh, uh, of, of, uh, of life, master life secrets 
course kind of thing. And there's actually something very specific here, you know, an awesome life, and then you have a revolving around that five Ps, purposeful presence, perseverance, playfulness, positive mind. Like, this is like some sort of a program that I can make sense of that says, listen, everybody wants to live a a life that they're engaged with, that that they're fired up about, that they feel great about, right? I have a simple course that I run through pe- people through because nobody wants to read them big long book. Nobody wants to do this, that, and the other. So I have a really quick course that does the five Ps of of living an awesome life or whatever. Now we've got some something to work with, you know, and then we can start thinking about how can we find how can we get more people to this thing and, and all that other stuff. But uh, to ask about conversion, you you want to sign up, and I think Barrett, your point, you want people to sign up, and I think Barrett's point about like you you know, hey, put a, put a better looking email subscriber box over there, I'll offer them something, take one of these P's in your awesome life thing or some small bit, and 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 make it a free sort of PDF for them to download or some. Or I could even imagine thing. A- a 10-page PDF with two pages per P, you know, one page of writing and one page of picture. And now you've got a 10-page little quick consumable PDF ebook thing that people can consume. And it kind of tells them about your philosophy here, this five P's of an awesome life. Yeah, I like it. So Nailed it. Uh, g- good work on this. I absolutely, probably one of my, two of them so far today, Talia and Paul, both two of us. Your favorites. Some of my favorite, favorite questions we've ever gotten. Because, Paul, you... I want I want to I want to party with Paul. That's what I'm saying. The fi- the sixth P in my awesome life is partying with Paul. Oh, <laughs> sixth and seventh. Yeah, and seventh. Yeah. Okay, let's listen to this question from Brian Wampler. Hey guys, this is Brian Wampler with Wampler Pedals, and also we have a podcast called Chasing Tone Podcast, which is about guitar tone and uh, setting up guitar gear to get the best tone. But anyways, the problems we're having is managing uh, all the different items that. The people on my team are working on, my employees. So right now we're using Google Drive to kind of keep track of uh, what everyone's working on and the status of that. And uh, we're also using Google Docs to uh, keep track of all our podcasts and what we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks and that sort of thing. Um, I didn't know if you guys had a different sort of system that you guys used that might work better than Google Docs. Google Docs is just a mess for us. It uh, doesn't work well at all. Uh, some sort of management system software. I don't know. But I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts. Huge fan of your podcast. Thanks a lot. Awesome, Brian. Thanks for the question. And I got to say something, you guys. Yeah. These pedals are so incredible. Are I, they? I, got, I have two of them. Oh, sh- um, And... Uh, it, Did you ever think when you bought that pedal that there was a guy named Brian Wampler who made the Wampler well, pedal? Well, he's a fizzler. And so he sent me oh, sh- a couple things. Nice. So I he, he sent me their tape, ec- their their uh, sort of faux tape echo delay pedal. Okay. And then this is like a proper guitar pedal, like dude, a metal box they're, that and you they're step on. So like one of the f- famous guitar pedals ever is the uh, is the Tube Screamer pedal, right? And so this one one that he sent me is is sort of like their version of this for this Clarksdale sort of Delta blues yep. sound. And it is through my old amp. It sounds so freaking cool. good, especially when I crank the volume. That's cool. But dude, the the echo pedal. You have all of these. Uh, uh, anyway, suffice to say, they're they're beautiful. They look awesome, but they sound incredible. I just like sat there and pretended I was like a backup guitar player for Pink Floyd and just tripped out for like two and a half nice. hours when I got them. Like it was so so. I am so thrilled. That's cool about that gift. And and I've chatted with Brian a bunch since then. So hey, kudos to you, Brian, for making. Making something real that solve something a real that people thing. want, you know? Yep. Uh-huh. For, so, because for us guitar guys, like Tone, like his, I love the name of his podcast, Chasing Tone. Yeah. Because uh, that, that was like, when I was playing a lot of guitar, that was... That's the thing you do. That was it. It was like, I was just listening to Eric Johnson and trying out different batteries in my pedals. Mm-hmm. So, um, so his question really is about... What what do we use yeah. for for project management as a team? And it sounds like he's using Google Docs. I does that mean he has like a a, a document somewhere with a bunch of items that people are working on? They're just yeah, like sounds like crossing a, stuff out. I mean, you can imagine a a series of documents. So maybe there's there's you're running your tasks like, hey, what's this month's goal? And we've and done all that for stuff. projects yep. before. Yeah, and it, and it could totally work. It's just that it grows weeds. It yep. grows weeds, and those weeds will choke you out because you stop going to that page because it starts. 
You don't even notice it when it starts. When your to-do list stops being fresh and actionable, your soul, you can't feel it, but it starts coming out of your backside, your bottom. Yeah. Your blowhole. Your tuchus. And, and it just, it just, it da, it is trying so hard, kicking and screaming to get you not to look at that thing. Yeah. So you go over here, you check out Facebook, look at this new YouTube thing. You maybe start, start up a brand new project that actually isn't aligned with your goals at all or whatever. So, uh, <laughs> that's why, like in the GTD method and, and in my productivity course, like this concept of, of keeping your so David Allen GTD in order to keep things active he does good times Dave he does good times Dave <laughs> good times Dave <laughs> that is the corp bomb bell given to us by Kalen who is a listener of the show uh, it, <laughs> I had coffee with him and he's like listen I made this it's this bell that he drew this picture of, of a bomb on it and he said corp bomb I don't know if uh Good times Dave was worthy or not, but I really just have been itching to use this thing. It's the first time I've seen it in person. It's a little black bell with the words Corb Bomb and an old-timey cartoon bomb painted on the front. And uh, I guess when I make a good joke, I get to ring this thing. You do. Or probably somebody else should ring it, but I'm just going to do it myself. (laughs) It's really good. So... um, Okay, let's talk about let's talk about what we do now. Anyways, I could go I could go I have a whole course on the productivity thing. It's the essentials of productivity and it's I think it's sensational. And I am the kind of person it's that lo- good. loves the work I do. There's a few things in there. You you're really good at the uh the little Easter egg mnemonic device or like yeah. pun or cutesy saying or something that you gotta, pull you out of it. Gotta remember this crap and yeah. it's so hard. So the Vino method. It's got, important. It's yeah. important. So that's where we hear people talk about the AAAC mm-hmm. model. Um, we actually use uh, CEO and worker B. And we use CEO and worker B all the time. We use UIHD, the, mm-hmm. unless I hear differently. Mm-hmm. Um, all those little nuggets, those are important. Yeah, little nugs. Little, little nugs. Yeah. By the way, another secret to, uh, to memory is uh you you got to imagine so if you want to remember something first yep. of all you have to place it somewhere in a in a, in a physical place yep. like so as i'm walking in my house i'm on i do this all the time on a run <laughs> i i'm on a run and like i get an idea and it's like okay i'm gonna put that uh, uh this new uh, this first idea is is right on the porch out out front but the secret to it is you got to make it a visual metaphor and it's got to be dirty Mm. It's like there's got to be a peepee involved somewhere. Really? And yeah, because That's your secret. Because no, but th- this is just something. This is <laughs> if you read Moonwalking with Einstein, they talk about this. It's like, it's like when you get when it's absurd or really gross or sexual, your mind just remembers that mm. stuff. It has to get off of the realm of of decent. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And you could take it however de- indecent you want, but you will re- you will remember it. So the one that I have got it from today is so terrible. As a way to get me to remember this bit that I think would be a good a good either post or, or or sort of copywriting idea that like the problems that are the most dangerous to you are the ones that you don't know that you're committing. Mm. You're searching about how do I do this over here? Like Brian's question, maybe how do I do project management better? But the things that will finish off your business that will make you quit your thing are things that you don't know that you have this problem with. Yeah, you know, so you have to get that input from other people. That's true. And it felt like this this interesting sort of. So I had that on this run. I went on a twelve mile run, and then I remembered that as soon as I came walking in there because there was some lewd sexual stuff going on <laughs> on my front porch in my head. Oh, in your head, okay. <laughs> I thought you walked out your front door and somebody was doing the dirty deed out there. Yeah, well, my house cleaner does sort of every once in a while. Yeah, no. Oh, God. Okay, so back to Brian's question. Let's tell about ex- what, what we do. We use Asana right now, and Brian and everybody listening to the show, Asana for teams is really great, okay? Uh, I had a, tons of struggles with it because it works so differently than, uh, than what I was using at the time, OmniFocus. So uh, the thing that I talk about in the productivity course is... Listen, your project planning is different from your actionable list. Actionable list should is only ever things that I can do, and they have a defi- they have a, a desired outcome for each of these things. They're they're clear, they're concrete. Yep. Verb, noun, object. Right? It's not like uh, get in touch with so and so. It's like call Bob about X, Y, and Z. You're trying. You're just taking that extra four seconds to get it to concreteness yeah. instead of the ambiguity because you will run from ambiguity your whole life. Your brain will do that. Yep. So, um, yep. 
Absolutely. The difference between, so what I do a lot is I'll have like a project planned in an Evernote file or a Google Doc um, if I need to collaborate with other people. But then the actionable stuff is all in Asana. And it's a, it's a total work. You have to keep this, uh, keep pruning this thing because you'll start adding more crap, more crap. So I'm doing this right now. And Barrett, it sounds like you are as well. We're at the end of the year and I'm just like, I'm deleting everything that isn't actionable or that is not going to get done by the end of the year. And I'm completing everything that I could possibly get done before then because yeah. I'm, it's going to be fresh start as soon as January 1. You know, and around. something that we've struggled with, so we, we love Asana and we kind of use it for a combination. We do project planning as well as like individual actionable tasks. One of the things we struggled with, I think, is some confusion over what's a project and what's a task Yeah, because we have these shared places where we need to talk about projects because when you come to a status meeting, I don't want to know that you have to call Bob yeah. about X, Y, and Z. Yeah. I want to know that you're working on um, podcast promotion. Mm-hmm. But when we put podcast promotion in a project list mm-hmm. so that we can discuss it quickly, you might feel like, well, that's not something I can do. Yeah, it's and not it's, a not, thing. it's not something yeah. you can do. It, it That thing would be a hundred steps. The definition of a project is anything that's more than two steps. Right. You know, and, and this is one of my big problems with Asana always, has, what it's always been, but it's something that we're, we're learning how to, to deal with. And so I'll create my private projects. Exactly. That then I'll be able to populate and plan out and do, and do some private tasks too. You know, like, and so those are the things that you won't be bugged by. Um, but it, at the same time, like when, when it's like, oh, this project for this month for you is get the, pro- get the podcast more promoted or promote the podcast more or whatever, right? And then it's like, okay, well, that is a series of a ton of different, first of all, we got to brainstorm, we got to come up with the ideas. Then we got to make decisions based on those brainstorms and probably just hypotheses that we could test and research about. Yep. Do a little bit of research in there as well. All of these are different tasks. And then there's going to be stuff that we're going to be doing that we don't even know what that's going to be yet until we have to, after we do the planning and brainstorming and deciding. Right. Right. Then we generate that more stuff list. So it's like now that that went from one task to like a pretty robust thing. Yep. And that's something that uh, human brains just are not. Re- we don't see that unless you're really trained or unless you're you're my wife. We don't see that and then go. <laughs> I need to figure, I need to untie I need to that down and yep. do a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Because for me, I'm always running to whatever has the most energy and excitement and it's never going to be the thing I have to work for. Yeah. So when I see, I, I see that, I just am blind to it. You get yep. blind to it. And this is why projects don't ship, you know? Um, so again, back to Brian's specific question. We do have a couple, uh, great, uh, great resources for you. So episode 78, Brian, if you haven't listened to it yet, is on project management and we go through a bunch of stuff. It's really good. We also have episodes 20 and 21, which respectively are the tools, uh, our favorite tools and resources for our business. And we'll talk, we talk about the things that we kind of use there. And then obviously within Fizzle, there's the productivity course and you're a member. So you've either already done it or you should do it. But just to, those are like some good resources specifically to your question. When you're working with a team, Trying to figure out how this stuff, uh, apl- how to get people to play by those rules is, I think, the hardest part. So for me, having a ton of experience and productivity and all this other stuff and having my own hangups, being super lazy by nature, I need, I have this whole process that I do with stuff that Corbett, Caleb, Barrett, none of these guys really did the same kind of thing. So I kind of had the, these just kind of play on my own because everything was working for them and that wasn't working for me. So I just kind of tried to do both. And, and, and I'm trying to get us more and more on the same page, but just the simple uh, activity of, you know, having a weekly review where it's like, okay, what are we doing this week? And, and then, and then, then the next Monday or Friday or whatever, whenever you do it, you clean up from that. So nothing's on the on the list that isn't going to be done this week. So that if you, you could clearly do this from a Google Doc. It's just the pump the bummer is it's so hard to keep current and updated and to not let it grow weeds and choke you out like that. I don't know, Barrett, anything to add there? No, definitely agree and I uh so actually today as we record this, which means nothing in terms of when you're listening to it, but I wrote a post on project management kind of compiling many of the conversations we've had We'll probably publish that sometime in the next month or so. So that'll be live. But I think you've covered a lot of it. And the key is just to have a system and stick to it, I think, at the end of the day. And I definitely agree that Google Docs is not the best way to do that. And there is zero barrier to entry of using Asana. It's free and it's useful. And I think you should jump in there and at least give it a try. 
Yeah, I, I definitely like Asana. Uh, I definitely think there's some best practices when you're working with a team, uh, you know, like having each per, like every project has an owner. And Asana started working this into their application in a, in a kind of a cool way. Um, but really, it's intentionality. And it's, it, I don't care if it's on an index card or in a, in a notebook or in a, a, some fancy thing like Asana or some, you know, damn all audio notes and podcasts or whatever. But it's intentionality and it's finding the system that works for you and your team and then it's sticking with it. And then it's knowing the difference between your calendar and your to-do list. Okay. And stuff like that. So like meaning just schedule that weekly review and invest time in it. The last thing you're going to think is important is an hour of review or 20 minutes even of review because you've never done it and you've gotten this far and I already am so busy. How am I going to get done, get any of this, this, how am I going to add this to the things I have to do? More things I have to do. No, that's why it's so hard. But this is, it's such a critical thing. And I'm the biggest hypocrite about this because the only reason why we do this actually, actually, we do kind of do this. Now. I mean, our, our check in and check out every Monday we send in, in our chat application Slack, we say, here's what we're working on this week. Each individual one of us checks in. And at the end of the week on Friday, we check out. Um, that's pretty damn close to a weekly review. Uh, it's, and then Wednesday, and then the Wednesday status meetings. Too. And then we have Wednesday status meetings. It's really the pulse of what it, we're working. And on. It, it, that's that is such a uh, you know even if it's just a stand up meeting where everybody comes in and you know imagine if you had an index card and I'm the accounts receivable person and I'm the something something person I'm the marketing person and everybody on the index card you can you can only fit a few a number of things on an index card vertically so that's all you get to work on for the week. And then that you hold that up and then you bring that in on Friday. That's if you're all working in the same place. I wish we could do, we could do that. But um, anyways, suffice it to say, there's a lot of ideas about the team stuff. And hopefully that this, this hopefully this has gotten you closer to it. Uh, this is sort of what we're doing right now. The check-in checkout actually real is like a total killer app. Like just, just having a, a, an email. We used to do it on email. And now we do it in, in Slack because we, we're always chatting. But uh, it's it's awesome. It and ends up being you could use whatever the hell you yeah, want. Yeah, you don't to. need a tool for it. Yeah. You know, and and um, I actually borrowed that from. There's a tool. I'm not going to remember the name of. Yeah, I remember. I remember you saying. There's I don't a tool. Yeah, so there's a tool that um, basically uh, people use to send their manager or whatever within a company updates every week to say this is what I worked on. You know, here's five minutes of what I worked on this week or whatever. And that sounded interesting. I thought, what if we all do that and we send it to each other? Um, and you don't need a tool to do it. And we actually, uh, we even hack within Slack. We use, uh, because their, their text post thing doesn't really work within the app. You have to go external to the web. So we actually just use a text snippet, which is kind of like what you would write code in, you yeah. know, to share with people. And that works fine. Yeah. You don't need to make it any it's fancier true. than that. Um, listen, we got one more question here in SpeakPipe. You got, it's a 58 second long question. You think we could do it? 58 second I question. Haven't, I haven't listened to this one yet from Sue. The issue is how long is the answer? Uh, let's get into it. Are you ready? Let's do it. Hi there. My name is Sue and I'm in the process of extending my freelance film editing business into a production house. I'm very clear about the films I want to make. Uh, their content is very specific and therefore the market is very specific. And I do believe there is, uh, a space for the films that I want to make. Um, I'm in the process of writing the copy for my website but I really cannot bear the idea of doing hard sell and I just it, it just goes completely against my grain to write in a hard sell matter, manner. Can you suggest any successful web, websites who do great copy but without the hard sell um, or any websites that actually have writing tips that uh, create really creative and direct copy for websites but absolutely no hard sell thank you Oof, good question i love i love uh i just love where this is coming from mm -hmm. um okay the first thing that came to mind is on vhx.com or is that what it is vhx.com i think um is a uh it's kind of like gumroad for filmmakers uh -huh. basically um and on Gumroad as well, there's there's a bunch of things uh, that that are selling there. But there's there's just a bunch of sales pages for these kinds of projects. And on their blog, they oftentimes um, mention these. So I'm going to put this in the in the show notes. Blog.vhx.tv. Um, I'm going to put that in the show notes. And there's a lot of different projects that they link to. So uh, 
I'm just looking at the first one here. The past is a grotesque animal. So what we're what you see is not is like layout stuff and and seeing the kinds of things that they that these people are writing about. I would totally recommend looking at a bunch of these, especially the ones where like they're recounting the month and showing what what went really well, what perform what what are performing well, what yeah. what, what ones are one a game uh, a movie that I really liked was Indie Game the movie, and they've always done a great job of. Um, of marketing and 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 they had different packages and all this other stuff. So I'm going to put a, a link to their sales page in the show notes as well. What do you guys think of when you think of uh, who writes well and has good sales pages and stuff? Well, to me, the first, just in general, the first thing that comes to mind is that the more desirable your thing is, the less selling you have to do, right? Yeah. So if you had a cure for cancer you're not going to have to do any selling at all. People are going to beat a path to your door, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the better your thing is, whatever, uh, if she's making a film, if this is an incredible film and critics love it, then she's not going to have to do hard selling to, to sell this thing. And I often think the, the best sales pitch is no sales pitch at all. That's mm-hmm. where I would love to get. Because yeah. nobody likes to sell, do yeah. hard selling, right? Mm-hmm. And some people really don't like to do it, like Sue here. Um, and we, we're kind of in the middle. I think we're okay with a little bit of selling, but not like the really hard sales pitch thing. Yeah. Um, so that's where I always try to get to. And if you think about people like Sandwich Video, for example, to yeah. use another film yeah. example, they don't do any selling on their site, right? All they do is put their work on the homepage. You get to experience their work. And there's probably a contact page that says, get in touch, project start at six figures or yeah. something, right? Yeah. Basically, that's all they do for mm-hmm. selling. So that's your end goal. You can't necessarily expect to get there right away because you have to build up this desire in people. And I think you're going to have to commit to doing some level of selling, some soft selling, some just being honest. And instead of thinking of it as selling, just think of it as just honesty. Like, yeah, I think of like how, how I I really think that, uh, that you should be careful of STDs. Uh, and I'll sell you on that. I will fight for that because it's an important you thing. You believe in it. I right. believe in it, right? So there's things we believe in that we sell all the time. This these, this uh, uh, natural uh, skincare product versus that chemical bullcrap, right? Right. This artisanal tonic for my cocktails versus that bullcrap. Right. These are things that, are, these are products and, uh, and ideas and things that right. we care about that we start, that we're, we're selling all the time. And maybe she believes in the, the story behind her film or the cause yeah. or whatever behind and it. And that's where it's like your trailer will be a really big part because there's inherent, you know, I've been watching so many uh, documentaries recently and I'm not, not sure what kind of films you're going to be making suit but um the the drama that these filmmakers are creating in the in the documentary same thing like like with indie game yeah. which was probably one of the, the the first sort of actual documentaries i really watched hard i think mm. you know um and i got to meet the filmmakers and all this and hear how they made it and yeah, they spoke at xoxo but um that that drama that you can that 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 drama is the sales pay, like I'd say, it's like I want to figure out what happens next. I want to see if that person, if they fall in love. I want to see if he gets over himself and finishes this project. I want to see if the world works out for this person, right? Right. These kinds of things. So, in some ways, your 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 trailer speaks for itself because it is inherently an information gap between what you're exp- expressing and what they could get on the other side of clicking that button, mm-hmm. right? They, it's just this one little button that keeps you from it. Uh, and a credit card information or whatever. So, um, first and foremost, I would say look at as many examples as you can. So, uh, especially uh, if you're doing more of the indie filmmaking things, finding those out there, the films that you like. What are their? How are they selling themselves? What's on their poster? You know, poster. Uh, the like taglines and things that are on posters are this great old school. Uh, this this historical place of. Uh, where copywriters, advertising copywriters, were always em- uh, employed to kind of help create that, which is so cool. Like the, um, which is the one uh, for uh, uh, Alien? I can't, I can't remember. I'll find it. But while I do that, Barrett, what, what do you think? Yeah, it's tough. You know, this is the eternal struggle for creators, I think, is just wanting to make really good stuff and have people find it because of how good it is. And the sad fact of the matter is that the loudest people are often the people who get the most attention up front, and they take away from a lot of the things that are much higher quality than what uh, the loud people are making. So, you know, you're going to have to find a balance of what you're comfortable with between making the art, which is the point, 
and then getting that in front of enough people to make that art matter to those people. And it's not comfortable for any of us. So I want you to know that I, I'm not convinced that there's anyone in the world who is born able and willing to sell anything. Um, and I think we get even more humble about that when it's our own work that we're trying to sell. So it might be a matter of teaming up with someone who does have that sales persona hmm. or has built it over time and believes in the work you're doing enough to sell it for you. Um, if not, then yeah, I think you make great points about great copywriting, um, showing portions of the work to convince people that it's worth their investment. Um, you know, doing partnerships with other audiences where they can help promote your work to an existing group of people who might be interested in it. These are all ideas that might work, but you've got to figure out what's the approach that's most going to reflect uh, the approach you want to take and also honor the work that you've done because it's no use making that art if you don't at least try and get it in the hands of people who could benefit from it. And not being willing to do any sales is just another form of letting fear win because it means that not enough people are going to see the important stuff that you're making. Yeah, and I think I think there's a false dichotomy or a false dilemma here that uh, that Sue brings up, and it's something I've had to fight my own my, my in my own life. She says, "I don't want to do the hard sell." Well, what's a hard sell? How could you possibly sell a movie as a hard sell? I don't really know, but I think there's a false dilemma that we create for ourselves as artists when, when oftentimes when we're thinking about a hard sell and we're just thinking of, of like, I can't be pushy. I can't be uh, sleazy or douchey in that kind of way. And that's, that's all good, but you don't have to. You, some of the better sales pages in the whole world have just been letters, right? There've been, there've been letters that anticipate the objections to the buyer in an intelligent way. It's like, hey, I have, I struggle with this thing. I found this page, and I was worried that it wasn't being a trust, trustworthy vendor. I was worried about this, that, and the other. And just slowly but surely, you're just breaking me down uh, uh, and and put, putting my mind at ease. Copywriting is just salesmanship in print, is what the how the old saying goes. And uh, it's it's really the the dream I think here, Sue, is that you get to communicate the heart of what this film is and what it means and and what it can do for you uh, as the viewer. You get to do that truthfully and authentically as, as, as truthfully as you can, right? You get yeah. to be more honest about this thing and, and that ends up being a great sales. And pitch. then once you make your case, the sales pitch part of it can be as simple as it's on sale. You yeah. know, here, yeah. here's a link to buy it. Yeah. I mean, cause really it's what you're talking about is just saying like, buy this film. I think it's going to be good for you. That is, is that hard enough? Is that soft enough? Is that too soft? Is it too hard? I don't know. You're going to have to set those sort of boundaries, but we are going to, you're going to make your, you're your own worst enemy in this situation. Artists like me are always our own worst enemy. Yeah. I'm the one who'd make my life unhappy. I have everything going for me. I should be freaking grateful and satisfied, but I make my life like a nightmare because it's like, well, it's not, it's not authentic enough. Oh, I'm not, I'm not being, I'm not really putting myself out there and making enough risks. You know, all this stuff, they're internal debates. And so I think, Sue, you might be doing some, some of that yourself. Make this film uh, or these films, get them out into the world, put up a great page, figure out a, 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 the dr like display the drum of this thing and get us get us into it. And if we buy, we buy. And if we don't, someone else will potentially. And I hope that that's that's what happens for you. All right, guys, I think that, that we got to call it call it there. I mean, we're already past our time, but uh, but that's all of our speak pipe questions. Spork pip? Spork pip. At the end of the year, it's kind of nice to start clean there. But that means, Fizzler, 2015 is right around the corner, and I want to hear from you. You got to bring it. Fizzleshow.co slash ask will take you straight to Spork pip, and you'll be able to just record your own question. You could always, of course, send us an email at heyguysatfizzle.co and just mention the podcast, and we will uh, we'll, we'll answer your question on the, sh on the show as well. Uh, anything else to add, guys? That was fun. That was yeah, fun. That was great. That was fun. A little stand-up, a little after post-espresso stand-up in Portland. Barrett, have fun out there in New York. What are you doing podcasting yeah. right now? It's like dinner time. Yeah, isn't it like a million it years old? It is dinner time, but Nicole had to work today, so today was kind of my work day so uh, that we can go have fun tomorrow. Got it. Where are you going tonight? Are you going somewhere? Uh, I think we might check out a place uh, here in Brooklyn called Wild. All right. And they have organic gluten-free pizzas, which is like... Right up My your alley. Yes. Yeah. I mean, some guys fancy like just you. have all the fun. I am so sad that that's what your night in New York is going to be like. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm going to try really hard not to make fun of you right now and just kind of just let it go. So I hope you have a really good time. <laughs> have a good time, Barrett. <laughs> I have been Chase Wardman Reeves. I've been Corbett Barr. <laughs> I've been Baird Brooks. We'll see you there. We'll see you on another time. <laughs> so there you have it. Our thanks to Talia, Paul, Brian, Sue for your questions. We love hearing from you guys. You, listener, yes, you, you could ask your question and we'll get to the answer right on the air. Just head over to fizzleshow.co slash ask to record your question, or you can always just shoot us an email at hey guys at fizzle.co. Fizzleshow.co slash 85 is where you can find show notes today, uh, including uh, links to all of all of our question askers and the several links that we mentioned about uh, uh, the copywriting pages to look at. Check those out, especially if you're if you're if you like independent film. That's fizzleshow.co slash eighty five. Here's the rest of Crowdfund Roadie's iTunes review. He or she says, "Get ready to learn, laugh, and launch something amazing." Much love, guys. Keep the knowledge nuggets coming. You got it, Crowdfund Roadie. Thanks so much for your uh, your intro and your iTunes review. Listen, if you, listener, if you like this, please leave us an honest rating in iTunes. It doesn't cost you much, and it means the world to us. Because it helps other fighting founders out there putting their butt on the line to find this show. iTunes tends to like those reviews. So if you head over to iTunes Store, search for Fizzle. Uh, you'll see the Jamaican dance hall booty music, and then you'll see the three white guys. That's 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 us. I mean, you can review both of them, but we would ask that you review at least us as well. It's holiday time. Hope you're ready for it, and I hope you enjoy it. May you have a roof for the rain and walls for the wind, and may you find something solid to put your foot on as you take the next step. Find care. Take care. Serve hard and dig in. Thanks. And I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday.